middle of February, dead period, and you would think, and I think I started this uh, the last couple of weeks on the Blue White Illustrated recruiting show, that there wouldn't be a whole lot to talk about, and yet we've got a jam-packed show. Uh, Ryan Snyder on vacation, so it's just myself and Sean Fitz, publisher and recruiting insider for Blue White Illustrated, here to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. So Fitz, how you doing today? How you keeping up with all this stuff during the dead period? Well, we sent Ryan on vacation because this is, you know, this is the slowdown. Like junior days are over, dead period yeah. in February. Those guys are going to come back on campus in March. Of course, Penn State spring break is kind of early, so they're not going to have people back on campus probably till like the 11th. 12th, something like that. Um, so, you know, not going to have visitors for a while, but that doesn't mean the action stops. That doesn't mean the recruiting stops. So there's, there's been a lot to talk about, uh, Penn state, I think more commits than Ryan and I both forecasted for this general window. Yeah. Um, but I say sometimes that's the way it rolls. And I guess you'd rather have that than have that, that show where it's Penn, something wrong with Penn state recruiting. They haven't gotten a commitment in a long time. So <laughs> it's um, been seven minutes. I need something. Let's go. Well, that's what I keep saying is that the, there's, there's a certain number of days in the year. There's a certain yeah. number of commits, give or take a couple that Penn state's going to get every year. So do the math. It's one every couple of, uh, you know, one every couple of weeks, but that's not how it works. That's not how recruiting works. So you can, you know, stash four in two weeks. And then all of a sudden you've got 21 other spots to fill and you've got 50, 50 weeks to fill. So, you know, yeah. it, it, we're, we're going to have that conversation at some point. But with 12, with uh, 11 commitments, sorry, caught myself there, 11 commitments in the class right now uh, of 25, that's uh, that's a big deal. But we also have things to talk about with uh, prior recruits. We talked to a bunch of freshmen this week, so I'm looking forward to that. That was fantastic, man. That is yeah. one of the best thing that things that Penn State does every year is they bring their second-year players. I know if you watched the video with Nate Bauer uh, and T. Frank yesterday, you're aware of this, but they bring in their second-year guys, their redshirt guys, um, and they get a chance to open up and talk. And some of this is one-on-one -on -one and some of this is group scenario, but we hear them for the first time since they were recruits. And a lot has gone on since then because that first year is something that is just crazy to think about. Like some, it works out well for somebody. Most people, it does not go to plan. And that's, uh, that's when things get fun. Yeah, and that's something uh, I, I realized yesterday. I was like, oh, today's Valentine's Day when we put that out yesterday. So if you missed it, I'm not uh, good for you if you missed the video yesterday. But go check it out. We had our thoughts about James Franklin, the state of college football, some of the things that we found interesting. Uh, we're going to get to Fitz's thoughts here in just one second. But as he mentioned, the rundown is chock full of stuff today, including a, a prediction from him uh, about who's going to be the next Nittany Lion. Darren Akitabon, final eight. Uh, Mantrez Walker, final five. And then, of course, Khalil Ahmad returning to the Nittany Lions. All of those plus more here on the show today. So if you haven't yet subscribed to Blue White Illustrated here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel, and it's February 15th, uh, tell your friends, hey, remind them, we're doing the live show. If you want to talk to us, this is a great opportunity. The chat is wide open. We've got uh, time today, despite all the things I just mentioned, to talk to you. So if you want to get uh, plumb the depths of what Fitz is thinking about this offseason, if you want my thoughts on any of this stuff, uh, you can ask questions in the chat and we'll respond to those here on the show. Uh, but the first thing I got to tell you about is My Perfect Franchise. My Perfect Franchise is a longtime sponsor here on the BWI Live Show. And uh, Andy Ludicky, the owner of My Perfect Franchise, wants to help you live the American dream. And that sounds corny and cliche when I say it out loud, but the reality is for you to manifest your own destiny, you have to have control of your life. And the best way to do that is through your finances. Have multiple stream streams of income. Maybe you want to diversify your portfolio, build wealth, have any of these things. If you have business experience or you have uh, expertise in a field, 
Andy can help you turn those things into the next career. MyFranchise.net, 404-973-9901. And don't worry about what the economy is doing because there's always a part that's moving. Even if one part is down, another part can be surging. And Andy has personal experience managing a bunch of different businesses, and he knows how to place people in the right uh, businesses to manage. He was actually telling us the last time we talked, he was trying to talk somebody out of getting into a business and you know when he was going through a consultation experience with them so he's not here to just to sell you on stuff and the services are 100 free here to help you if you have any questions check out the blue white illustrated message board or andy at myperfectfranchise.net so let's talk about that fits um yesterday not andy as much as we just we love andy let's we talk about it. penn state football and and some of the things that we learned yesterday i wanted to get your uh most interesting conversation uh, with a Penn State football player in their second year from uh, Winter Media Day on uh, Tuesday. That's tough because most interesting conversation can mean information, straight information. And that's what I do. I'm the, the information guy. Rather, Nate's the perspective guy. We all know yeah. that. And, um, but like sitting down with some of these guys was was awesome. Um, Kevion Keys, Dakari Nelson, um, all, one linebacker, maybe two linebackers, uh, sitting down with them was great. My one takeaway, my, my biggest like – Dude, that was so cool. Uh, Joseph Mupoy, Vicky Mupoy, uh, defensive lineman. He is really, really cool. Like in terms of like, this is a guy completely out of his element. Um, he, I asked him, or, or when you speak to him, and if you see the videos, English, clearly not his first language, not his second language, not his third language, but he's learning to play football uh, in that sort of, with, with that sort of learning curve, which is really crazy to think about, but uh, doing a good job so far. Penn State's not expecting him to be a factor this year, and uh, he, he's a long-term project. But to see the thought, to see the uh, development that comes into that is just pretty fascinating. So he was my favorite one, but that's probably not going to you know turn the pages of the, of the information. Um, yeah. On a similar note, uh, Anthony, I think Anthony Donko will, because I think that that is a guy that can factor in, can be a starter this year as a redshirt freshman. We don't say that about too many people, but he is putting himself in position to be one of those guys. He's going to compete at right tackle. Nolan Rucci, of course, is going to be in there as well. Um, but uh, that is a guy who I think I look at him and I see a lot of Olu. And I don't like the comparison because Olu is a top 10 pick and this kid's a redshirt right. freshman. But you see a lot of the 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 cerebralness, the, the yes. things that go on, um, the way that he addresses people, the way that he addresses the game, the way that he, uh, you know, just takes, he, he's got this approach to sort of everything that is really fascinating. And you can see him set himself up for success. So uh, I, I'm going to keep beating that drum as long as I can, because that kid is, uh, he, he's got a lot of potential and uh, he's got even more potential now that he's an offensive tackle. You and I talk about that all the time. Uh, the, the difference, the difference it can make being, a guy on the edge versus a guy in the interior. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of, uh, I don't want to say scrutiny. That's probably the wrong word for it, but there's a lot of more pressure on the outside there and he knows yeah. it and he's learned it and he's learning to deal with it. So I'm excited to see him. I don't expect him to, uh, you know, pick up right where Caden and Olu left off. There's going to be some lumps, but we said that about Olu. We said that about Rashid Walker when he was a redshirt freshman. So he, I think he's the next in that line. That's so fascinating of, uh, of tackle development at, in this program. Yeah, and you you mentioned his um, intelligence and the way he addresses everything. The 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 athleticism and the talent and the abilities were all clear on film. 
uh, I guess what we are learning and getting to know about him now and, and Javen Williams, I said this uh, on the video yesterday, Javen Williams said his superpower is preparation, but it's not just the ability to prepare. It's also to translate all that information and then use it. And I think that that's really impressive that he's been able to do that um, in such a short turnaround. One thing I was struck with talking to Kavion Keys and a guy I know you talked to as well. Um, just generally, these players are so mature. The guys that we talk to, when we have, you mentioned uh, Joseph Mapoy. Um, it, is it common to be 18, 19 years old and have a perspective on life the way these guys do? And and do, I just, I, I'm curious, that whole conversation about, I know they're presenting themselves in their best light, but they genuinely seem to have very introspective, intelligent perspectives on the world. I think so. Uh, number one, I think they're well coached. Uh, Chris Peterson, Greg Kincaid, that staff, they do a nice job of preparing them for the questions that might come and and the the approach to answering things. You don't get a lot of one word answers. You get a couple of guys that that, that may take some, that, that may have a short, you know, uh, you know, maybe a little bit shorter than the others, but you get some thought into it. You get some introspective look into what their process is. And I think that that is such a big part of being a freshman. You, you know, kind of forget these guys are 18, 19 years old, but you forget how much they go through and how much they see and how much they can reflect. And there is some outlet for it. You got family members, you got coaches, you've got uh, your high school buddies and coaches and things like that. But to put it all together and put it in front of, you know, uh, me, you, whoever's, whoever's holding a microphone in their face, I think kind of says a lot about the kids that Penn state recruits. I mean, you, you hate to fall back on that crutch of Penn state type kids, but for the most part, it's pretty true. And and that's yeah. really, I think the reason that Penn state goes about the recruiting process, the way that they do, that's how they fill up classes early because you can find the kids that kind of fit. And, and, and I say so much that so much of this is logic based. Like when you're talking about recruiting projections, when you're talking about guys that uh, you know you think are going to end up in Penn State's class, well, a lot of times, the guys that you identify early as potential guys that land up in the end up in the class are the guys that end up in the class. I mean, even if it takes it a little longer. I mean, you saw Liam Andrews last year. We were saying from you know from from the start, this is a kid that really fits what Penn State likes to do. Um, eventually, Jalen Harvey got around to it, even though there were so many twists in that roller coaster. But you see the type of kid you write the same script with different names sort of every cycle and you can i don't want to say uh i don't want to say compartmentalize the guys that 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 take after the other guys but a couple of weeks ago on the site i wrote about hey this guy's recruitment or this guy's as a prospect reminds me of this guy and mm -hmm. a lot of those guys end up at, at penn state so i think it's all part of that and it's all part of that and and there are great kids that go everywhere like there are great kids that go to ohio state there are great kids that go to uh, Michigan and, and Alabama and these places that, you know, some people want to believe that it's just it's just football and it's just anything. But like Penn State recruits a certain type of kid. And by the time they get to sign or by the time they get to the end of their first year, some of that stuff is weeded out. So that's a, that's kind of my perspective on that. And, and you see that when you talk to that, when you talk to a Mason Robinson, when you talk, uh, we talked to Cam Wallace the other day, there, there are mm -hmm. some really cool uh, stories to be shared. And these guys, I think, have the perspective of, uh, and, and have done that. Uh, Chen Yi Feng in the chat asks any read between the lines on James Franklin's comments on his coordinators. It's something I touched on briefly yesterday in the video. Where we talked about this. Yes, I absolutely think that's super important because uh, he mentioned it, I think, twice talking first about their goals for the spring and then uh, talking about Tom Allen and his fit with 
uh, Penn State and, and the defense overall. So um, what was your, I guess, your opinion on his comments there talking about having to fit the coordinators to Penn State and making sure that they're doing what's in the best interest of the program and not just installing their offense and starting from scratch, essentially. I mean, that's what you got to do because this, this is a personality fit. I mean, this is a this is a football program. This is a university, but this is a personality fit. Not everybody is made for Penn State, and Penn State is not made for everybody. And that's that extends to coaches as well. And sometimes, you know, James Franklin's not batting a thousand on his hires, but he's done a pretty good job of finding the guys that fit. Now, it'll be interesting. I think the the, the thing that leads um, that that sort of parallels with this conversation is you look at that defense. Okay, Tom Allen. I don't want to say famously, but Tom Allen has leaned on a four-two-five defense because it is mm -hmm. versatile. That fifth defensive back can be the outside linebacker, whatever. Penn State's got a lot of linebackers and a lot of good linebackers. And how do you fit this four-two-five system in with Tony Rojas? How do you fit that in with KJ Winston and Jalen Reed as potential guys that could play that fifth spot that that are rovers essentially? Like that is the sort of the fascinating thing and. You're going to keep the linebacker spots, but at the same time, you're not going to always fall back on the traditional 4-3 that we're used to seeing at Penn State. So yeah. I think that that's sort of how you look at that. And of course, on offense, uh, it's it's different because you don't have, I don't think, the tools to work with. Like, And that's not a shot at the offensive guys, more of a, a hat tip to the defensive depth that, that they've been able to develop and the way that they've been able to play so many guys and get them ready for this. I, I went over the defense uh, earlier this week when I was looking at, at some of the uh, the winter workout stuff, and it's like, hey, this guy has a chance to be really good, but also he played quite a bit last year and was okay there. You know, was, mm -hmm. And so I think that that's you get a lot of that on the defensive side of the ball. You're going to have more questions about it on offense. Andy, like we're not we're not measuring here, but like Andy's got so much more work ahead of him to get yeah. where he needs to get. And of course, at Penn State, you can usually fall back on on having a good defense like offense not so much yeah and something that i i found watching andy kodelnicki's offense at kansas first off it's difficult because the big 12 is very different um i i texted you one day i was watching oklahoma state i'm like i don't know what to take from this because these safeties are awful i see similar defenses and i see safeties react in a way that in the big 10 absolutely never going to happen the right. way that some of these i don't know if it's being taught differently i don't know if the talent level is different or whatever it is there there's certain things on film from the drop back passing game specifically that i'm like i don't know how this translates but the main thing i i've, I've come to realize and and watch is that kodolinki's offense looked a lot like Mike Yersich's. Like a lot of, there's a lot of similarities of what they were doing and how they were doing it in certain areas. Now we've covered some of the big differences uh, over at blueweightillustrated.com, but the passing game, if James Franklin's talking about fitting it to Penn State, it fits pretty well already given what they were doing. So that to me, you're right. I think the offense and how they adapt everything, that's going to be the story to me of 2023. Or, excuse me, 2024. Because if they can get up to speed and they can... Andy Kotelnicki is good enough at adapting his offense to suit the 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 needs of his client, right? So, like, if it's if he's building a meal and the and the person who's going to eat the meal is James Franklin, then I think he's capable of doing that. But how close and how quickly can they get all that translated? As Franklin talked about yesterday, it's what they've been doing um, in February, building the new Penn State offense, defense, and special teams. And I just I think especially offensively, that's going to be the biggest thing that determines their success and failure this coming season, because you're right, the defense, it's going to be good. 
yeah. <laughs> they've got a lot of yeah. really good football players. And it's it's kind of if you're watch if you're a fan of European soccer, you know that the style played in England is different than the style played in Germany and in Spain and in France. But like at the same time, you have Champions League teams. You have champions that come from each different style of football. There's no there's no right way to do this. And you know you even saw that in the NFL this year. There's no right way to go about this. But yeah. the successful way will bubble to the top. And are they going to be successful on offense? I don't know. I, but 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 they have some some pieces in position, at least from a coaching perspective, to to maybe give a different angle on that. Uh, some news this week, and we're going to get into the Penn State recruiting news side of this there's some off the field stuff but i think if if i do if we don't get to this immediately fits uh people are gonna riot you put it in rpm pick uh this week for penn state to land another nittany lion so who is it and what do you want to reveal at this point uh in the process yeah i mean the popular topic this off season in 2025 recruiting has been well 25 recruiting 24 recruiting uh on <laughs> campus where whatever you want to whichever direction yeah. you want to go has been wide receiver i mean there's been no doubt about that um it's something we get from the, the chat here every time basically is like wide receiver targets and why haven't they landed any yet i think they're getting close um and i think it's a guy that makes a lot of sense uh lyric samuel the uh talented wide receiver from New York, he's been on campus seven times in the last year. And actions versus words, uh, the words are pretty good too. But the actions versus words would uh, would seem to side with Penn State on this one. Um, seems like something could be coming soon. Um, we will we will keep an eye on that one. Um, but this is a guy that's made sense for a long time. Six three and a half, 170, 175 pounds somewhere in there. Ran four five six at camp last year. And uh, as we've talked about with taller guys, we talk about this with Andrew Olish, the tight end from Southern Lehigh. Getting moving that fast, whether it be shuttle, whether it be 40, at that size, not easy to do. So a four, five, six for a guy that's six, three and a half, pretty darn impressive. So and um, lean, this is a, a guy that can get is, more explosive too, I think, right? I think so. I mean, he's he's 170 pounds. He's six, three and a yeah. half. He's 170 pounds. Uh, I, I would think there's some space to fill out there and not fill out in the space where you're gonna get slower as you, you know, approach 200 pounds or whatever like that. Um, that's a, that's a big frame to work on. And if you've got that athletic base to work with and, uh, Malik mega is probably an example of this, like Malik mega is very fast, like very fast. You see that on his gunner, um, thing, but he has also, you know, sort of bulked up since he's gotten here and he hasn't lost that speed. I think it's a sort of a misnomer when you take a look at, uh, at, at college football. And I know some guys have slowed down when they've added the weight, but six, three and a half, one seventy, there's a lot of, a lot of room to play there. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what he looks like in a couple of years. I think it'll look like that in a blue and white Jersey. So, uh, I think Penn state's it is, I don't want to say the, well, yeah, it's the logical fit. When you take a look at, he's been to, he camped twice last year. He came to the blue white game. He came to the West Virginia game. Don't think he was able to make it to the whiteout, but the West Virginia game called a pseudo whiteout. And then he was here a couple of weeks ago. So uh, he's a guy I think that makes a lot of sense for Penn state. Uh, I think Penn state makes a lot of sense for him. Um, he's, he's close with Josiah Brown. Um, he's not related to Curtis Samuel, which is the, the, the thing we keep running up against guys in the 25 classes. Oh, yeah. this guy, is he related to this guy? Um, and I don't, and I'm going to say no, because I've been told no, but I'm just going to say with, I don't believe he's re re related to Curtis Jacobs, who, or excuse me, Curtis Samuel, who was also a star at Erasmus hall. So, mm -hmm. um, Penn state getting into E-Hall has been one of the best programs in New York city, uh, the last several years, I believe five straight city championships. Danny Lamberg has sent a bunch of guys uh, to a bunch of different places. Penn State has not been one of the uh, main benefactors of that, but Lyric Samuel is a guy that makes a lot of sense for Penn State. I put in a pick this week. He reminds me a little bit just watching there on the highlights of uh, the Egan Boyer of this class. Super big, 
huge frame to grow into and a lot of talent. Um, but then, you know, the growing into part is going to determine a lot of how all of that shapes out. Um, and and, so and just, he's going to come from New York City. So like mm -hmm. throw our stereotype hats on here. He's not going to be a refined receiver coming out of New York. There's yeah. not too many of those that, that do it, but he's got a lot of tools to work with. And, uh, you know, I think he'll be. I think he'll be okay. I think he'd be a good player. Um, it was funny because I talked to Charles Power uh, yesterday. I said, hey, uh, this is a kid that needs to be looked at uh, soon, preferably. And by the afternoon, he had a 91 four-star rating from uh, on three. Um, he was probably one of these guys, actually, in my head, I you know I do these ratings in my head that never make it to the site and things like that. I thought 89, 90, but a guy that's got potential to rise. I know yeah. we haven't said that about everybody that's that's come through the last couple of weeks, but I think he's a, a guy that definitely has potential to rise. I think he's a good player. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great way to phrase it, kind of compare and contrast what Penn State's done so far to what you see here on film. Uh, another guy that Penn State has uh, is in the news with Darren Akinabon, uh, top defensive end in this cycle. Uh, he released a final eight. Penn State is a part of that. What can you tell us about this recruitment and uh, the what we might see here from Dion Barnes and another uh, top defensive end recruit? Uh, I'm going to stop you and say I don't think he's a defensive end. Uh, okay, good. I thought that kid. too. <laughs> he is a big kid. He is legitimately 6'5". He came to the Rutgers game, I believe, the Penn State Rutgers game, I believe. is 240 pounds. Hey man, nature's going to win this one and he's going to be an interior prospect or he's going to be a three, four end prospect. I know Georgia is really high on his list and Georgia is really high on him as well. So yeah. I, if I'm handicapping this one, the Bulldogs are the, are the team to beat. Um, but this is one Penn State's top targets. This is a guy we talked about on the site yesterday um, uh, among the defensive linemen. We call him defensive lineman now. Defensive tackle makes sense a lot for this kid. And he's got uh, a lot working for him came to camp last year and he's 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 a pup man he is he is a big kid uh large uh you know extremities long arms and things like that so there's a lot to like about the way that he is growing and the way that he's playing while he's still growing um but yeah, yeah. i think he's an interior guy again one of penn state's top targets on the defensive side of the ball um but the, the competition is stiff mentioned georgia anytime that you mentioned georgia whether it's with a jersey kid a georgia kid whatever hey that that's gonna be some tough competition so especially on the d line where they have churned first round okay. pay yeah i don't know i don't <laughs> know if you picked up on that but they've done yeah. okay um so it's a it, it's an interesting uh prospect but yeah it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fight to get him back on campus to get him in for an official top eight is great but you want to be top one eventually and that's uh that's a long ways away yeah and of course you can check that out on three uh blue white illustrated and of course this was um uh uh who had this one? I I, I oh, apologize. I just sorry. Pat Simmons. Sure thank you. There. Yeah. Um, mentioned. Uh, you mentioned official visit, trying to get a summer, the summertime decision. So one of these guys that's a top prospect. Where we've mentioned the class, they've added a lot of guys in this class that are regional fits that make a lot of sense for this roster. And here's a guy who, um, sky high potential, summertime decision, some of those things. Just to kind of refer back to a conversation we had previously. Here are the guys, Penn State's attacking in this class that have those high-end pedigrees to go with the guys that um, maybe are underrated or they think are really solid football players to add. And uh, and, and defensive tackle, not a huge need this cycle. You always want defensive tackles. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Big guys that can move are hard to come by, and that's why Georgia's shopping in New Jersey. You know, that's kind of how that all works. But um, no, this is a situation where you took probably four last year. 
Um, so like, even though things are going to clear out after this season, cause Beeman's going to be out, Ellie's going to be out. Um, cause I is probably going to be out like there, there are, there's work to do after the season, but that doesn't really have much to do with the class of 2025. So, um, it's not a huge need, uh, but Penn state wants to get a top one, two top ones, whatever they, they, they go with here. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Mantrez Walker? Another guy that had Penn State in his top schools, 5'11 linebacker, great tape. Uh, we can put it on for you here. Uh, what's the fit? What's the relationship between Mantrez Walker and the Nittany Lions? Yeah, heck of a high school player. Um, he came to Penn State for, I think, two visits. Um, one was before he committed to Michigan the first time around. He's no longer in Michigan's class, um, but Penn State uh, has been in, in contact there. You know, I have a tough time because you look at this class and there's two, two and a half, three linebackers in this class so far, um, depending what you want to do with Deshaun Burnett. And that's, you know, it's going to be tough to work around that. And they still have some some targets that they're they're going after there as well. So um, I think Penn State probably not the eventual destination for Mantrez Walker, but he's uh, he's been very vocal about his interest in the Nittany Lions. So we'll see how that one plays out as well. I know we've talked about Penn State interested. If they can't add another linebacker, they want to add another linebacker with speed, athleticism. So the door open, but also, you know, it's going to have to be the right fit. Um, one of the interesting things that we I want to get to today, and this is, you know, going into uh, the business side of things. Um, not quite sure where to start, but we're going to be talking about all of that stuff uh, from here to the end of the show, um, which is something... I'm interested to get your opinion on. So we'll just start with this graphic here. This is from Blair Sanderson on an on three. Uh, I believe he's for the Iowa site. He put together a list of all of the offers that have gone out in 2025. This was, I think, from a week ago. So these numbers are probably even up from this. But you can see Penn State number three in total offers for 2025. Um we we know here on the recruiting show they sent out they send out a ton of offers, but I think this puts it in perspective how many offers Penn State has been putting out, which is to go into the chat and Spencer Code asks we talked about recruiting more guys on the front end of relationships for the transfer portal. 355 players recruited. How do you view this and how do you think this is helping Penn State? How do you think that this is helping them keep pace uh in, in the crazy world of NIL recruiting? Offers get attention like that's that's what we're looking at here. And you look at the schools that are involved here, uh, Pittsburgh, West Virginia, Penn State, Tennessee, Boston College, Louisville, Michigan State. So for the most part, you throw Tennessee in there. Tennessee's always offered a ton of kids. But for the most part, northern schools who need to catch the attention of southern prospects, Florida kids, Texas kids, maybe some California kids as well, um, overgeneralizing or Georgia as well. Um, but get the attention of those guys to get them on campus. And on top of that, I would say a quarter of these offers, that's that's rough math on my head and I'm not a math guy, gone to wide receivers and all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what we're looking at here. And I tell you what, that's a big gap between number one and two, Pittsburgh and West Virginia and Penn State, 355. It's been going that direction for a long time, but these are, these are attention getters. These are ones that, you know, you go into a school in South Florida and you may offer four or five kids. I, all four of the five of those kids are not going to play at Penn State. All four of those five kids probably can't play at Penn State, but mm -hmm. you got to be there. You got to be a presence. And the way that Penn State is recruiting, I don't have the Florida numbers in front of me, but usually that's the state that leads the way in terms of offers. But that's that that's my take on it. Just get their attention, try and get them to try and get them up, try and get them for for visits and things like that. And you know they, they've brought in some guys, or I don't want to say brought in some guys, but some guys have visited from out of the region. 
that also fit in that category that probably aren't going to go to Penn State. I'll be mm-hmm. interested to see if the um, uh, the photo shoot ban, how the things are changing, and I'm curious to see the final verbiage on that uh, on that rule. If that's going to impact the number of I don't want to say that type of kid, but like kids from out of the region that are going to visit Penn State to have that experience, to have that lasting memory of them in the blue and white jerseys and things like that. Maybe you're not really considering Penn State, but you still want to check it out because it's, you know, it's a cool thing to hang on your wall or put on your Instagram or whatever. I'm curious to see if that chips into it. I'm not saying it's going to, you know, change everything entirely, but it it could chip into the numbers of those guys that eventually visit. Those are expensive photo shoots when you take into account flights and things like that, lodging and things like that. But uh, it's uh, it's definitely real. Like this is not a this is not a situation where we're fabricating that kids are appealed uh, the kid part of Penn State's appeal is some of the cool stuff that they do as a recruiting staff some of the cool stuff that they do as a graphic staff and things like that um, but it's uh, it's just all very interesting and those are going to end like they're I, I guess that you could technically say they're done now because they're they're March 1st I think is the date where that's uh, that comes into uh, comes into play or goes it's out a of huge, play. it's a huge bummer by the way um, <laughs> from, from uh, nobody can they nobody cares helpful to whine on YouTube, but it's super helpful to have all of those photos out there in the world to create cool thumbnails that people want to click on. Uh, I'll tell you what, they're going to try and work around it. Everybody's Mm going to try and work around it. Like these rules are, I would say well-intentioned, but the execution, the NCAA, if you can believe this is a thing, like the NCAA may have not completely thought this out. So it will be interesting to see how they find the loophole, how they get around it, because that those are conversations that are happening at Lash. Those are conversations that are happening at Ohio State, at Alabama, everywhere. How do we keep the appeal of the visit? How do we give them a lasting impression for this visit? Because that's the thing. When you think about Penn State, you're going to think about yourself in that helmet. You're going to think about yourself, uh, you know, doing the the poses and everything like that. Um, and that is a it's a valuable recruiting tool and it's not yep. going to be able to be used anymore. Um, let's get to Khalil Ahmad, um, left for Syracuse and, uh, officially reported yesterday, although blue white illustrated.com, we had this earlier than that, that he's returning to the Nittany lions. So what do you make of, of the whole saga this off season? And, and then we can get into kind of his importance of the program. Didn't work out at Syracuse. Um, this, I thought it was a big deal. Like when he left, like he is an influential guy. He is a guy that uh, was one of the points on Lyric Samuel. And I think that that's, yeah, I I, I don't want to say he, because he's coming back, Penn State will eventually get Lyric Samuel. But I think those there's some correlation there. So we'll go with that. Um, but uh, it's beyond New Jersey, but it's mostly centered in New Jersey. Penn State has not done well in New Jersey. Now they have three commits from New Jersey. It's not a coincidence here. So mm-hmm. um, I think that there's a lot to like about the way that he has recruited. I know that he went to Syracuse. I, from what I understand, did not hit it off with Fran Brown like many thought they would. He was familiar with the the the, uh, the location and the digs up there. But Penn State was, uh, we'll say, a different option. And uh, I think that, that that's going to help Penn State. This group, the continuity in this group where you've got Kenny Sanders and 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 that whole crew, Alan Zemitis and I, I don't, want, I don't want to lose any, leave anybody out, but um, that recruiting staff works extremely well together. And we saw a couple of cycles ago, there was a recruiting staff in town that had some, you know, good recruiters on it, had some good guys on it. They weren't as fluid as this unit. And I think this unit has done a really nice job, especially when they get kids on campus. So um, getting him back in the, in the fold, you saw the, 
sort of the welcome that he got back from those other recruit staff recruiting members. So, I mean, that's, that's certainly going to going to help. Um, it's going to continue to help in Jersey. Um, it's going to continue to help in the Northeast. Like I, I hate pigeonholing him to New Jersey. Like if you, right. you, you ask Khalil, he's not just New Jersey. He's, he's, he's been an influential figure uh, around the Northeast. So we're going to see uh, how that happens. And then they're going to bump Jordan Lucas, um, former Penn state corner, Super Bowl champion, I believe um, he was in sort of go- he wants to get into coaching. And oftentimes when you have to get into coaching as a young player, former player, something like that, recruiting is the first step. Um, so he stepped into that role. But um, things uh, opened up. Bryce Jones is now the cornerbacks coach in Northern Iowa. Congratulations to him for, for getting that first full time job. Um, but that opened it up for him to go to G.A. That opened it up for Khalil to come back in all nice nicely wrapped up in a nice neat package for Penn State. So, um very cool to get him back and I think it it, it improves the continuity which if in any industry is is going to really help them. Yeah, so just to button this up, a huge win for Penn State to continue some of the strides they've been making regionally to really lock down areas that they hadn't previously. So again, you mentioned not just New Jersey, but also the Northeast where Penn State has been getting better and better. And I think doing an excellent job in New England, specifically finding guys in that area. Um, That kind of leads us to the next conversation. Frank Badani of the York Daily Record wrote this, and I apologize for reading on the internet, but I think that this is just interesting to to put out here, and I want everyone to have the same information. Uh, Recruiting played a part in the spending rise, too, talking about Penn State's athletic budget uh, blossoming under Pat Kraft. Uh, In the last year, the athletic department's overall recruiting budget increased 51%, uh, nearly $4.8 million. Meanwhile, Penn State's football impressive recruiting consistency continued, but did not elevate in the past two cycles, um, leading to kind of the same spot that they've been in over the last couple of years. So I'm interested in your opinion here on that. Penn State spending a lot of uh, spending more money to maintain a level of consistency. Um, is that the price of doing business in the NIL world? Is Pence, is that an investment in something that's going to grow to keep Khalil Ahmad, you know, after losing him? How, how do you view the expenditure versus everything we just talked about from the offers that have gone out to the personnel and, and, and trying to get Penn State to a place where they're trying to get into that top 10, top five in recruiting? It is the price of doing business, not with NIL, though, um, because this, these these numbers don't reflect uh, NIL and actually probably don't reflect much oh, in terms of what. I apologize. I just meant in, in order to have resources to battle against those attritions, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. where before it was about relationships. Now you have to have, you're going to lose guys just because of that, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it, it's the price of doing business. I think you can stop there before you get into NIO. It's it's everything's okay. more expensive. Uh, travel, um, the way that they you know sort of pound the payment and, and get out there and go, the way that they have um, reinvested in. I, I think a lot of it's reinvestment, and that's that's the thing to get around. It's like you're you're making more money, you're putting more money back in. So like that is kind of like you you throw. I, I, I have a tough time with the wording of the way that this was worded, but um, you're, you're reinvesting back into it and you're, you're having success with it. And ultimately it's going to come down, you know, your, your rankings in terms of 24, seven on three, whatever you're going to use are going to come down to a couple of those, those big fish. And that's where you're spending a lot of your thing. So I, I don't, uh, the numbers look, I don't want to say sensational, um, but like that is the price of what they're doing. Um, they mm-hmm. have up that they've done that. And I think that that's um, certainly you would like to see more of a return from a rankings perspective. But 
I don't think much has changed. Um, a little bit more five and private, a little bit more things that go into that. Um, but uh, I think that they, you're finding yourself in that. God, I hate this phrase, but big boy recruiting world. And that's, right. uh, that's an expensive place to be. But that's that's the investment to I guess that's that's I think exactly what fans need to know is they see these large numbers and they think, OK, you're not getting a return on your money. But as you pointed out, everything got more expensive over the last three to five years. So this is a a, a comparative increase to maintain what is the lifeblood of the program and something that is very important under James Franklin. Um, and they have seen, I, I think, you know, the class of 2024, uh, it, it has potential to be great. And right. they've done a great job of getting a lot of talented players into the class, even if it didn't uh, result in a top five class like 2022 was. So I, I just, I think it's an interesting thing to put in perspective about trying to keep pace and trying to get ahead. And, you know, Penn State doing the best that they can in those particular areas. Um, not to. The natural question is, OK, so what puts them ahead? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Or is that just one of those things where if it happens, it's going to happen? <laughs> Unfortunately, I think if it happens, it's going to happen. Um, like you can you can do so much in traveling. You can do so much in uh, hosting visits and, and bringing some kids in. You know, it's. State college is not a cheap place to get to. So I think that plays into some of this stuff, but you get 70 official visits now or whatever. So like, I think a lot of that goes into it. Um, but at the same time, like it's, it's one of those things that I don't think there's a formula on it. And uh, you know, it, it, some places don't, I don't want to say don't have to spend because everybody does spend, um, but some places don't have to spend as much to be as successful as, as Penn state has been. Mm -hmm. And that's, I guess, going back to the question about number of recruiting uh, offers you send out. And I'm going to put this back up here. What did you, without putting an exact number on it, like, is it better to be in the top five of offered programs or is it better to be more selective and have a more targeted approach because you have the ability to do that? Uh, like, is, is there, if Penn State does reach those levels of success, do you think they'll see less offers going out? No, I don't think so, because Penn State is not going to change its location. Um, it's not going to change uh, how tough it is to get here. Um, hopefully, RMJ can get that airport going. But um, it's it's a situation where who's number nine on that list? Michigan. Michigan mm -hmm. offers a lot of kids. Michigan is in a similar situation, a little bit easier to get to Ann Arbor um, through Detroit than it is to get to State College. But like you still need to have that appeal. You still need to have um, that sort of eye catcher. And sometimes that's what the offer is. Uh, JC Corgan here in the chat. And that's what I got for today um, as far as the, the show. But they've got some interesting questions here in the chat that I want to get to. If you've got one, we've got a couple of minutes here at the end of the show to discuss what's on your mind. And JC asks an interesting question. He says, how should a fan consider the balance of all the elements of fit rather than focusing on just five stars? A full house of jacks and nines beats a pair of kings. Seems like a 25 class. And I'm going to limit it to just 25 so we don't have to re-adjudicate things previously. Uh, seems like the 25 class uh, is this especially uh, is especially Jermaine. What do you think of the way they're building 2025? I guess um, I, I think that fit is incredibly important and it's tough to measure from a recruiting ranking standpoint. Um, there are a lot of things that are tough to measure from a recruiting uh, standpoint in terms of individual, in terms of like your drive and your motivation. You know, you can't really judge that on a high school field against guys that you're better than um, you're back. Like everything goes into, I think one of the things that 
like one of these lessons that was taught to me was when, when I was younger, we're talking, I was talking to someone about offensive linemen and the takeaway, and this is not just limited to offensive linemen, defensive linemen, whatever, but the takeaway is if you can afford to fail, you will. Like if, mm-hmm. if that is a situation where you need football or you don't need football, it comes out on the field. And that, and that, that is not a broad brush for anything, but it is one of those things that you keep going back and you look at some of the success that Penn state's had and some of the success that Penn state has not had. And it's been along those lines. And uh, it's, it, it's been really interesting to say, so fit is extremely important when you're talking fit in a scheme, you can't, you, we don't go yep. back. And this is something like, I don't think we have the manpower or the, the ability to do, but if I would be fascinated by recruiting rankings, ba- like post signing rankings based on scheme. Like there are guys that make a lot of sense for Penn State's scheme that don't make a lot of sense for somebody else's scheme. And that's uh that's really interesting to think about. And we we don't do that. And I don't think we're gonna I mean it'd be a, it'd be a heck of an idea, but it'd be even a bigger and even bigger undertaking. So there's that fit in terms of program. I talked about that earlier on the show. Penn State recruits a certain type of kid, Michigan mm-hmm. rec- recruits a certain type of kid, Notre Dame recruits a certain type of kid schools down south recruit a different certain type of kit like the and it doesn't and it's not necessarily with background and things like that but you can tell the difference like there's it's it's kind of how that plays out so yes fit is incredibly important while balancing on the other hand you talk about five stars you want to get the best Mm -hmm. players available so sometimes you bring in a guy that's that's i don't want to say a um hmm, square peg in a round hole but like a cylinder peg in a round hole. Like sometimes it fits, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah. if he's a really, really good peg, that's uh that's you're gonna try and force it. it. Yeah, you yeah. wanna you wanna get the best guys possible, but at the same yeah. time make it fit. So fit is extremely important. Uh, I'd be fascinated to see how over the last several years, those guys that you and I talk about of hey, I can really see him in uh Joe Moorhead's scheme, Andy Kodanicki's scheme, Mike Yersich's scheme the the difference between a guy like Kevion Keys in Manny Def- Manny Diaz versus Brent Pry like the yeah. the things that work out the little things and and it might not change the rating all that much cuz the player is the player but that mean that means that means a lot that means a big difference and, and it's one thing when i when i look at the way that college football has gone and the ability that these guys have to either play right away so take take for example a guy that uh, you know Penn State adds and, and Penn State has had some successful guys at the last minute a Robert Windsor a Daquan Hardy or things like that but they've also taken some guys at the last minute that don't make a lot of sense because of physical potential because of things like that if right. that guy goes to Miami Ohio and finds the right scheme and and like blows up now all of a sudden he can go wherever he wants with, yep. with the transfer portal so I'm fascinated to look at this 2022 to 2026 window and see if there are guys that are making decisions that, Hey, I'm not just going to pick the best or the best offer, quote unquote, the best offer, the biggest offer, the biggest name or anything like that. I'm going to actually look at this and see who fits me the best. And then, and then unfortunately, by the time that kid gets to Miami, Ohio, half their staff leaves, which Miami had a great staff last year. I, yeah. we're, we're, we're far too, we're, we're far too deep in the mud here, but they had a great staff last year and a great scheme. And now all of a sudden that whole, that all blows up. I mean, you look at this morning, uh, Sean Elliott's going back to South Carolina, Georgia state started spring ball two days ago. He was the, he's the head coach. Like, yeah. Hell are we doing here? Um, so like that is my unhinged rambling based on that very good question. 
So I, I think it's interesting. You, I'm going to quote you and say it's super early in 2025 still. But to me, just the, the trend I'm seeing, and it can change if they get a, a bunch of guys in the summer that are like, wow, look at the top end of this class. And you can see depth and strength throughout it. But right now, what I, what I see is I see a lot of project high end. I don't want to completely say gamble because I think some of those guys that have high end potential, especially a tackle and offensive line, they bring a lot of things that make you confident they can hit on that. You, but at the same time, the two P words here. So you're already in too deep. So just go with whatever you want. Yeah. So, so you've got, you've got, you've got a, a tackle or excuse me, you got potential in 2025, uh, 2024. And in 2025, I see here's a bunch of guys we think are good at football and we want to recruit. And we think that are going to hit, they may not be superstars, but we think that they have the skills to produce and, and be, and this is always, you know, like I, you get into these evaluations, like meat and potatoes type of players that you absolutely have to have on your roster, glue players that do tasks that you need. Right. Um, but again, Penn State, you bringing up those guys, Garrett Sexton was a three star when he was recruited and suddenly he's a top 100 player. Penn yeah. State has done a great job of identifying players that we in the end see the same way as this is a top 100 150 200 player in the nation so i think it's a little early to make those determinations but that's kind of what i see from the wave they've started this year as opposed to how the class last year ended i agree uh you look at like 2023 linebacker versus 2024 linebacker like that that is exactly what you're talking about and yeah some guys might be ready right off the cuff um more so in the the earlier class there um, but you you might have some some good players that are it might take a little bit longer. Um, usually it happens on the offensive line, but I think that that the the juxtaposition between those two linebacker classes is a good. It's it's easier to see because you can see Egan Boyer coming in at two fifty, and you can see Garrett Sexton coming in at two sixty, and you can see uh, Anthony Duncan in the year before and say these guys don't even look like they played the same position. You know this is yeah. uh, Javon Williams. You know these these guys. So and that's just uh, part of riding the wave, and it's and it's also part of riding the region like you, Penn State has to take what is given to them in the region sometimes that's guys that are you know multi-year projects sometimes that is guys that can play right away you just never know and that's the that's what's I don't want to say confusing about it but that's also what's kind of beautiful about it is like there's no there's no right way to go about this two more questions I've got here uh in the chat I I'm gonna kind of edit this one from Cheng Yi back here and ask St. Joe's prep the relationship with that school, some trouble, no trouble, lots of trouble. How do you view the relationship with the key Philadelphia school? Um, I'm going to say, number one, we talked about this more on uh, on BlueWayDillStrade.com, and I'm going to go with uh, a lot of trouble. Like, I, I, this is a situation where, you, I mean, you had uh, Cam Smith, uh, Anthony Saka, Maxwell Roy did not include Penn State in his top six yesterday. Um, and Duke is in there, which Gabe Infante, who was an analyst at Penn State, is now an assistant coach at Duke. Um, so obviously uh, a, a hat tip to him. Um, but yeah, this is a situation where I, I, I don't see Penn State having success there. And that is uh, something that needs to be worked on. It's the top program in the state. Um, a, lot, a lot of those guys are not in-state kids. Um Jersey kids, uh, a lot of Jersey kids in there, but still that doesn't change things. That doesn't change that. This is the um, five or six time state champion in the last uh, 10 years, something like that. So um, they're uh, that, that that's, that's some trouble right there. And they're gonna have to work through that. Last question is from RS. And this is a question I'm curious about. 
How much weight do you put in peer-to-peer recruiting? Talking about Cooper Cousins being a leader in a class for two straight years, but how much does that uh, affect the final decisions for players that Penn State is targeting? How much do you put on the general idea of that recruiting tactic? Still important, but I think it it peaked maybe a cycle or two ago and was sort of on the downswing of that. Like we're, we're, we're coming down the hill now because NIL brings things that change. And uh, if you're looking at making decision, it was great when Brendan Mann wanted to play with Garrett uh, Sickles, like as best friends, you know, or, or, you know, developing into best friends and things like that. There are a few more zeros in the equation right now, and that's going to change a lot of things. And yeah. uh, it, it's great. And you want to play with guys that you like, you want to play with guys that you go into a visit and you hit it off with. And, and that's one thing where Penn state's been very successful on official visits, especially when they have a lot of those commits on hand uh, that weekend. Um, but at the same time, you've got guys that have to make a more full decision, more family decision, and more focused on you focused on that. And so I, I think it's, it's still important because you want to know these guys for the next four or five years, three, four or five years, whatever it may be. But at the same time, you have to you have to make the selfish decision now. And that's not going to be based on how how much you like your buddy that you met at camp. Uh, Z-Man getting us out here. Uh, KV on keys, adding 30 plus pounds like Rojas in less than a year is phenomenal. Um, some of the nuggets coming out of winter media day. We'll be talking about those over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. So great times to subscribe to the, to the site, to the YouTube channel. It's free all the time. But if you are here with us right now, you're watching the show. We appreciate you supporting us wherever you do. When we want to give you a gift. And that is an extra month of trying out the site to see if you want to go full in all in on recruiting and basketball, football, film study, all that stuff. A dollar for two months. Normally you just get a dollar, but if you're listening to the podcast or you're here on the YouTube channel, we love you. PSU one is the code to use when signing up. You get two months for just $1. Um, thank you so much Fitz for coming in and doing an awesome job. This was a, I love these shows where we have a little bit more time, a little bit more space to dive into these topics and Penn state recruiting and the stuff behind the scenes. I think it's just super important for fans to understand the end result and, and you know, whether or not that changes their opinion of anything going on, at least they have the information for it. And thank you for that. Lead a um, horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Unfortunately, uh, I've been doing this for a long time, so I've, I understand that. So anyway, um, no, thanks to everybody for joining us. Also, check out BlueWayDillStore.com. We'll go more in depth, and we're going to get Ryan back from vacation at some point and put him back to work. All right. We will be there for all of that, and uh, we'll have some more great content, including the wrestling show coming up tomorrow in this time slot at 10 a.m. with Greg Pickle. So uh, stay tuned for that, and make sure if you support Blue White Illustrated, you're supporting all of our new stuff, including the Hoops podcast, which is coming out later today as well. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. I'll be back for those things. I'll talk to you later.